Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Big stories and even bigger guests. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. You know what? happened last week in Charlottesville has forced a lot of people to answer some very uncomfortable questions. The media, people of various political persuasions, people who are part of various groups, and underscoring it and the prevailing narrative that we've had since Charlottesville last weekend into the Boston free speech rally. That's how it was billed. And we'll talk about later on the problems with that event very shortly. But all of these things, there has been an undercurrent of hate. And I'm not just talking about the emotional hatred. You know, I hate Brussels sprouts. I don't actually. I happen to love Brussels sprouts. But I'm talking about the serious hate, the kind that can result in an innocent protester getting rammed down by a car, driven by a white supremacist and neo-Nazi. And we have people that believe all sorts of concerning things. There are then those thoughts that turn into, for some of them, actions. And I wanted to talk about this more broadly with a woman whose story I found to be so compelling. There was a great piece in the Ottawa Citizen earlier this week written by Blair Crawford. It was featuring the evolution of a woman named Elizabeth Moore, who in the early 90s was a part of the neo-Nazi group in Canada, the Heritage Front, and has since renounced it and actually worked with a Jewish group in Canada, working to counter hate, to counter radicalization towards these groups. And she hasn't been a household name in recent years, having, for the most part, just lived her life, which is, I think, the the best thing you can do when you've come out on the other side of that. But Charlottesville compelled her to speak out about the true power of hatred. Elizabeth Moore joins me on the line now. Elizabeth, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. You were a neo-Nazi, which is not something that anyone, I would certainly hope, no sensible person would look favorably upon. And, and you saw a certain point of, of this in your life that you said, no, 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 this is not at all how I should be. This is not at all what, what a, a sort of a normal approach to the world is. What changed? Uh, well, I mean, it was, it was something that slowly evolved in me over time that... Uh, you know, as I was uh, brought into the group more and more and, you know, just saw everything that was going on. Like when I decided to leave, that was uh, around the time that um, all the mess with the Grant Bristow affair was coming out. And there was uh, just dirty laundry flapping all over the place. <laughs> and it was very interesting because the Heritage Front leadership would tell me, well, you know, this happened, that happened, but, you know, that wasn't really us. That was Grant Bristow instigating the, uh, instigating everything. And, you know, I, I may have been gullible in 
falling into the Heritage Front and the neo-Nazi movement in the first place, but I'd like to think I wasn't entirely stupid. And I realized that if they felt that Grant Bristow, who was a, a CSIS agent um, at the end of the day, but you know was uh, embedded in the leadership of the Heritage Front, if Grant Bristow indeed did approve of or instigate or you know whatever they were claiming at the time, I knew that the rest of the Heritage Front leadership, first of all, knew about it, and second of all, approved of it. And so I was just learning more and more things that, oh, you know, actually this did happen. Ha ha, oops, you know. And I, I started feeling more and more uncomfortable. And uh, and then there was one party in particular that I was at, and um, we were just sitting around, and it was, it was such a, a crazy group of people. There were, you know, teenagers, like 16-year-old boys, and there were, you know, uh, older folks who were in their 60s or 70s and you know it's just such a wide group of people and I was looking around thinking the only thing we have in common is that we hate the same people and oh my goodness I don't want this to be my life I don't want this to be my life anymore so uh, so that was that was kind of a an awakening moment for me that I, I just realized that I had to uh, make some very, very serious changes. <laughs> you describe in the piece and, and in other work you've done your initial, if I can call it a radicalization here, your initial sort of recruitment into the group as really stemming from being a misfit. You had a bit of a, a chip on your shoulder from all these, you know, people of different ethnicities and backgrounds that you saw at school that, you know, had this this racial identity that was different than yours, but seemingly all these better opportunities. But in a lot of ways, it's the same idea that we hear as driving people towards gangs, for example. It's that wanting to feel like you belong somewhere. Mm-hmm. Did that matter more to you than the actual hatred that was being espoused by the Heritage Front, the hatred of, of various groups? Or, or did the hatred really come second and, and morph into just, this is my group and this is what I need to do to get along in this group? Well, I think you need to understand that when a person is is pulled into a movement like this, you know, they don't come right out and say, well, you know, the answer to all of your problems is that, you know, there, there are all these immigrants coming in and you need to hate them all. Um, they, it's, it's a very slow process of, you know, slowly introducing you to the ideas and also pumping up your self-esteem at the same time. Um, because I, I was really brought in when I ended up writing a letter to the editor of uh, the Heritage Friends magazine because there was a piece that I disagreed with where they were talking about, uh, you know, women being... Um, just opportunists and things, and I, <laughs> I didn't agree with that, so I, I wrote to them, and they said, oh, well, you're so brave to, you know, stand up to the sky, and, you know, you, you have a lot of important things to say, and you should come and join us at this meeting here, and, uh, and the, the initial round of literature that I was given was very, very subdued hmm. as far as the hatred goes. You know, they were just talking about traditional Canadian values and uh, trying to, uh, you know, create uh, a a voice for disenfranchised white people that, you know, they're they're really, I mean, in retrospect, of course, it was racist. But, you know, at the time, I just felt, well, this makes sense because this is my experience uh, of being like the only white kid in my class and being picked on sometimes Mm. and, and, and also just not having anybody to give me any answers, uh, you know, any nuanced answers beyond, well, multiculturalism is great. Look at our school. It's like, well, it's great for you maybe, but I'm not having a good time. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, 
what can I say? It was it was a slow process, and I, I think people need to understand that that you don't wake up one day and say, "Well, screw it. The answer to my problem is to hate Jews." You know, that's not that's not the way this works. It's much more insidious than that. But the idea that we have driving uh, the events in Charlottesville, which is, I mean, most notably, this goes beyond, you know, a sensible conservative approach to the world. These are right. people that were shrouding themselves in, in many cases in swastikas, people that do have very violent views, not just radical or concerning, but, but downright violent views, calling for genocide, things like that. It's not something for them, in part because of the Internet, that requires that slow integration now. I mean, now you can have mm-hmm. at the drop of a hat thousands of people or hundreds of people assemble who already ha- have gone that distance. So, I mean, when, mm-hmm. when people are able to get so far in their, far along in that process without even interacting with another person, how do you stop it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's what was so frightening to me about Charlottesville is just you know, not just that it happened, but the number of people that were there and and marching and saying such, you know, horrible chants and, you know, advocating for violence. Like it just it's it's a scary age. And I'm I, I have to say I'm I'm eternally grateful that I was a young person before the Internet came <laughs> along. But uh, these days, I think the way to stop it is just with counter education which is why I decided to come back, because it seems to me that people need to hear my story again. And uh, so here I am. <laughs> well, and I, I'm glad you are, because obviously in sort of the confines of radio, we can't go through what for, for you has been the last 20 years of your life and, and, right. a, and, and even the years of your life that you were in the heritage front. But, I mean, the overarching perspective you've gained since is one that hate is a lot more powerful than people seem to realize, because I think there's this... This sort of sense that, you know, hate is something that we see on the Internet comment section. We see in a Facebook mm-hmm. thread and, you know, people are just going to wear themselves out. And, and maybe some do. There are, there are hateful people that are not violent people. But when we have this mass organized hate, that's where it seems to be something that should trip many people's radars and not in a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, it's, I, I think people do end up getting a bit fatigued, you know, seeing the comment sections, whether they're on you know, something like Metafilter or Reddit, um, where people just will speak extremely freely, get downvoted probably, but, you know, they'll still say what's on their mind. And, you know, I think a lot of people just say, ah, it's just a crackpot on the internet. Ah, it's just, you know, it's just somebody who's spewing something to stir up people's emotions and they don't really mean it. But then you just don't know with, with an internet stranger, you know, what do they really mean? And, uh, and there's, Obviously, after Charlottesville, obviously a lot of people who do mean it, and and that's very concerning. Mm-hmm. And I think that that message, as cliched as it sounds, that you know love needs to triumph over hate, is a very important one. Joining me is Elizabeth Moore, former member of the Heritage Front, a neo-Nazi group. It is great to have you on the other side, and also great to have you speaking out. Although I know it's not the world being where you wanted it to be, but thank you very much, Elizabeth. Thank you. All right, back in a moment with more of The Roy Green Show. I'm Andrew Lawton.